Are you ready for the most ridiculous internet sports show you have ever seen? Welcome to React, home of the most outrageous and hilarious videos the web has to offer. So join me, Rocky Theus, and my co-host, Raiders Pro Bowl defensive end, Max Crosby, as we invite your favorite athletes, celebrities, influencers, entertainers in for an episode of games, laughs, and of course, the funniest reactions to the wildest web clips out there. Catch Reacts on YouTube, and that is Reacts, R-E-A-X-X. Don't miss it. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Regressing to the mean since 2015, it's the Hockey PDO Cast with your host, Dmitry Filipovich. Welcome to the Hockey PDO Cast. My name is Dmitry Filipovich, and joining me is, uh, is a familiar voice, but one that hasn't been on, on the Hockey PDO Cast in way too long. It's Chris Johnston. Chris, what's going on, man? It feels like it's been forever, man. Did we do a World Cup one? It's been months. We did one when I was in Toronto when you uh, came over, and it was, it was like in the peak off-season where there was nothing going on, so we were just kind of uh, trying to figure out what we could talk about. But yeah, we haven't really discussed anything since, uh, since the new season started. Yeah, that was the great days of July when we didn't need any excuse for day drinking. So. Mm. But that was the start of your uh, of your off season beard, and I, I see that it's 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 kept kept whole and kept shape. It's looking good these days. It, it's lived on. I mean, I, I have big shoes to fill, uh, being friends with you and <laughs> trying to keep up with yours. But uh, it's been nice. It just grew because I was lazy, and uh, my my wife liked it, and the people at work were okay with it. So now it lives. You're doing good, man. You're doing good. Um, all right, so. Obviously, it's it's every team's played like five or six games. We're only a couple of weeks into the season, so it, it's always a bit sketchy to kind of draw very strong conclusions and try to make sense of what's going on so far because there's a lot of volatility involved. But we got to work with what we have, and I thought it'd be kind of a fun exercise if we uh, if we went through some of the main storylines so far and did a, a legitimeter for the good performances and then a panic meter for the bad ones and kind of tried to figure out what's real and what's uh, was going to come back crashing down to earth. So a good place to start is, since this is an optimistic show, uh, we'll start with the good stuff. And uh one of the main storylines early on has been that there's been a lot of high-scoring games and more goals have been being scored in general across the yeah. league. And I think that uh, I was looking, this is the first time that teams have averaged north of three goals per game since 05-06, which was the year after the lockout where pretty much everything was being called yeah. as a penalty. Um, so one potential answer I've seen for why this is happening is teams are just younger, faster, more skilled than ever, and fewer lineup spots are being wasted on guys that can't really play and contribute offensively. Um, do you buy that as the reason why, and do you think this is something we're going to see for the rest of the year? I certainly think it's legitimate. Uh, scoring, to me, is going to continue to be up, maybe not to the degree that we're seeing right now, because uh, you know I, I just have this sort of fear, I think a lot of people do, that have been around long enough that that coaches are going to react to this in certain ways and, and try to stifle it. But, you know, it seems to me in looking around the league that more teams have better lower depth players in their lineup for the most part. And, and certainly players that have 
uh, more skill than than we've seen, and uh, I, I just think that that's that's going to keep it going. I mean, this is it just seems like what are we now maybe 90 games into a 1300 game season mm-hmm. uh so it's it's pre- pretty darn early but uh the, the 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 degree to which scoring is up to me is significant enough that you know it suggests that this is going to continue and uh let's face it it's a lot of fun we've already had a couple rookies have hat trick games uh know some pretty memorable performances already and then you know maybe we're going to see a few guys crack 100 points this year like the good old days right and then i remember last year kind of in the in the middle of the debate we were having about how we increase goal scoring across the league uh the point that i kept coming back to was that goals are nice and generally you know they make for more exciting games because if a team goes down to nothing early on there's actually the possibility that they might come back and that just makes the product more entertaining but the goals themselves aren't what's important it's the play and and increasing scoring chances and and we've seen that so far which i think is the more encouraging thing that um a big reason why we're seeing more of these goals scored is just that teams are just generating high more uh higher percentage of high degree scoring high high danger scoring chances and if that persists i think that um regardless of how good the goalies are we're going to see this spike continue it might not necessarily be as you said as high as it has so far because it feels like the first couple weeks have been very wacky in that regard but um it's encouraging nonetheless well, and, and what I've found interesting is that it, it appears that most of the increases come at five on five. Mm-hmm. It's not that there's been a binge of power plays and, and more power play scoring, which is a, I think what they observed in the 05-06 season when they when they really cracked down on rules changes and and you know that were able to create more offense essentially by giving teams more more man advantages. I mean, this is happening when when we're at regular strength, and and, and uh, you know I, I do think it, it just part of it is is the trend towards youth and skill uh, and talent, and and obviously even a lot more teams I think uh, are aware of, of you know trying to control the shot differential and and generate uh, things that way. I mean I I think all these things factor into it, and you know just on top of that we've seen enough poor goaltending performances to to fuel it as well. Mm, yes. Yeah, yeah. I know that 0506 season, it was kind of, uh, artificially propped up just because it was, it was so many penalties being called. And, and we don't, we don't want to see that. I mean, the goals are nice, but if you keep kind of stopping and starting the game, it makes for a choppy product. And, and that sort of goes against everything we really want to see, which is like just, just a free flowing game at five on five. Exactly. I mean, if it comes too much of a specialist type of game that way, and, and, you know, power plays, I think are, you don't want to see six or seven a night. I mean, I guess if they're if they're warranted, if the play is is you know if teams are taking uh, liberties, it, it maybe makes some sense. But you know, I've I've thought the games have been great. I mean, it's only two weeks in, but uh, I've really enjoyed uh, some of the games I've, I've watched and attended this season. And you know, I do have I am feeling optimistic that this is going to register on a legitimeter is, is something that that's going to continue. Okay, so the goal scoring uptick is legit. Um, okay, moving on to the second topic I have. Uh, it's been one of the sneaky surprises so far this year, and there's there's been kind of uh, ones that have come more out of left field. I mean, the, the New York Rangers have been good in years past, so it's not necessarily that surprising. But I feel like um, some of the shine came off in the in the past year or so, and, and especially this summer, it felt it felt like people were kind of throwing dirt on them and expecting them to really fall off fall off this year but I mean they they won four of their six games they're they have one of the best goal differentials in the league and I mean look just kind of digging into their underlying numbers everything seems legit I remember last year they were winning a, a very high percentage of their games but it was basically Lundquist and just 
some some well-timed shooting percentage spikes rather than anything they were really kind of doing sustainably. And they, of course, came back crashing back down to earth as the year went along. But um, I don't know if you've had a chance to watch this team at all, but the, the, the fact that they can just roll four skilled, fast lines and without much of a drop-off is what's really kind of uh, stuck out to me watching them play. Yeah, the, the team play has surprised me, frankly, with, with the Rangers. And, you know, the, it was an organization. They made some, some pretty smart bets, I think, with their, their depth signings. Uh, you know, maybe another team that's an example of that that's been able to, to generate a little bit more with, with some of the players that they have around the margins outside of their, their core players. And, and, you know, it's nice to see them not relying to the same degree so far on Henrik Lundqvist. And, and I think the skepticism about that and some of the dirt throwing you observed was was well earned. I mean that that playoff series uh, where they lost to Pittsburgh was not uh, uh, didn't inspire much confidence that, yeah. that better things lie ahead for the organization and even for Lundqvist himself uh, was a tough series and, and kind of a tougher second half uh, of, of last season than he had this year at the start of the year. But uh, you know, to me, I'm not sure if I can give them the full you know seal of approval legitimate, but uh, that that would register as a surprise and, and does appear to be something that, that they've made some changes in and, and that they've, you know, maybe observed some of the same things that, that guys like yourself have, Dimitri, and, and work to address that here in the early going. Yeah, I mean, two guys that have really popped off, popped off the page or off the screen watching them have been uh, Chris Kreider and, and Mika Zibanejad. And um, Kreider was obviously there last year, but he sort of constantly um, draws the ire of Rangers fans, I feel like, just because he has these flashes of brilliance and then has long stretches where he doesn't seem to do anything. And, and Zibanejad, of, of course, came in over trade this offseason, and, and he's looked great. But no, I mean, it, it, anything they can do to help Lundqvist is key because obviously he voiced a lot of his frustration frustrations last year that time he flipped over the net and and watching in that penguin penguin series there were like at least four or five occasions where the camera would pan to him after a goal against or something and he would just just look i don't know just like i don't know just like he wanted to be anywhere else but but there at that moment and he got pulled out one time and he was just looking so glum on the bench and i mean he has a 900 save percentage so far so he hasn't been immune to this goal goal scoring spike we've seen across the league but if we know anything it's that henry conquist is probably 920 save percentage in the bank just based on the fact that he's done it for like a decade straight now so uh we know that he's going to improve the performance and if they can kind of help around him then i think that um you know, they might not necessarily be totally legit, as, as in being one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference, but I think that they're going to be a playoff team once again. Well, and, and an interesting thing that will be to follow there is there, there's a lot of talk out of the Rangers organization that they, they want to acquire a defenseman. Obviously, they've been one of the teams linked to Jacob Truba, uh, you know, and, and if they were able to somehow make moves to improve their blue line, which, you know, at this stage of the season, when you get into all the cap trouble, it's not always easy to do. Uh, but but that that I think would go a long way because I still do have some question marks in, in the big picture uh, about their def- defense core. So you know if they're able to address that need, which they've obviously already identified themselves. I mean they they could you know maybe even uh, get get a little bit more love from the PDO cast here, which isn't something that they they can say a lot of lately. Yes, yes, that's for sure. Okay, um, the third topic: the Edmonton Oilers, who are definitely much more surprising than the New York Rangers. And I know that they were sort of like a little bit of a trendy sleeper pick this this off season, and and I a lot of that obviously has to do with Connor McDavid, and and a lot of people had him as uh, a very viable Art Ross candidate, and that's looking like that could definitely be the case so far. But I was a bit skeptical just based on I mean you discussed the margins with the Rangers there, and, and looking at this roster. 
roster, I, I kind of wondered about sort of the depth roles, about whether they'd be able to to hang with the the upper upper part of this roster. And so far, it's so far so good. But I don't know what have you seen from them. I know you've you've watched Connor McDavid pretty closely. Well, he's been as as billed. I mean, I think what where the surprise comes in is just kind of the the, the different range of guys that have been scoring for them. I mean, they've. They've had a lot of uh, contributions from the players that that no one would expect to do much, which which kind of makes me a little bit skeptical because uh, you know I, I don't think the Pitlicks of the world are going to score at the same rate they have. I believe he's got three goals as we're speaking now. Yep. Um, you know I, I'm still not completely sold, but but clearly they've they've taken a step forward. I mean uh, the cynic in me thinks how they couldn't really go further back with uh, where they've been and, and with what they have now in Connor McDavid. I mean, there's, uh, there's, there's no debate about where this guy stands now. I, I don't think it's only a matter of time before he, he's totally realized kind of the future most people have been talking about for him for three or four seasons now. And, um, you know, I'll give them credit, though. They've, they've had, I think, a bit of a soft schedule to begin with, uh, but they've made good on it. And they're off to the best start they've had in 30 years as a team. But I still think it's going to be a slog for them to get into the playoffs uh, over over the season, and, and uh, they're they're capable of doing it. But uh, you know, I think the jury is still out here on on just how legitimate that this team is uh, at this point. Yeah, I mean, McDavid is just uh, it honestly it renders me a bit speechless watching him play. Just because uh, I was joking on Twitter, he's basically got uh, Michael Grabner's legs with George Costanza's soft, smooth hands, and and it's an it's it's, it's an it's an unfair combination where he can kind of create all these uh, scoring chances for himself and his first teammates, but then actually be like one of the best, most efficient finishers in the league. And he has this one move I've, no- I've noticed across the league with the younger players, but he does it better than anyone else where he just sort of finds an open space in the ice and throws the puck there and then just re- goes and gets it because he, because he can. And, you know, either he winds up retrieving it or he draws a penalty on someone who's just can't keep up with him and winds up resorting to hooking him or taking him down. So, I think McDavid himself is worth watching uh, no matter what. And it's kind of been surprising that the rest of the team has been able to to hold serve as well. Well, he's such a product of his time. I mean, we're talking about a guy, what's he, 51 games into his NHL career now. And he's already, you know, I think kind of figured out, you know, where he can dominate and how he can dominate. I mean, it, it's a perfect kind of uh, poster boy for this era of, uh, of the league where there's just so many rookies being... Uh, put in, in more prominent roles right across, you know, it seems like every team more than we, we've seen in the past. And uh, maybe with him, we'll, it'll be an interesting study. And, and I don't want to, he's not totally doing it by himself, but kind of how far one man, especially when that one man isn't a goaltender, can carry his team. Uh, because, you know, he is so far and above the best player they have. And, and, and you know, it's going to be interesting to watch. I mean, it, it it isn't beyond the possibility he'll carry them to a playoff spot. I'm just not sure yet myself that they'll get there yeah i mean uh right before the season started we uh i was recording with andrew berkshire and we were doing the top 10 centers and i felt a little uneasy putting Connor mcdavid super high up the list just because we had seen less than 50 games from him but i mean after these first two weeks like i i, I find it hard not to put him at least in i mean definitely in the top five but maybe even in like that top three range and with the bergerons and the crosby's of the world he's been just but he's been that good yeah, well, good for you. So where did you have him in that list? I didn't hear that. I think I had him like fifth or sixth, like right behind the top guys. I think I had Kopitar ahead of him as well, just based on track record and sort of how confident I felt in that performance. But I mean, he's been so overwhelmingly dominant so far that it's it's just impossible to sort of ignore the case he's putting together. 
See, that's pretty awesome. Six games in the regular season, and he's already moved climbing the list. I mean, yeah. maybe he'll be one by the end of the year if this continues. Well, I think it's possible. I mean, just... I mean, a lot of people had him as like, listen, the Oilers might not be that good, but I think Connor McDavid's a very good bet to win the Art Ross just because he's going to score so many points. And, and I mean, he has nine points in six games so far. So I guess so far, so good. Yeah, no complaints there if you're them. Yeah. Um, all right. And so the last sort of uh, topic I had on the Legitimeter here, and it's going to be a good transition for the Panic Meter, is, is the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> um, and, and so they've won only once in six games, and a couple of them have been very winnable ones that they really should have won. And uh, the bad has been, I mean, they're 29th in 5-on-5 save percentage, and Freddie Anderson's come under a lot of scrutiny already, so we can get into that in a bit. But uh, the good is Austin Matthews leads the league in goals and points. Uh, Mitch Marner Seems like he's making something happen on pretty much every shift. And Willie Nylander, I think I saw, is a, is a point a game in his last 20 NHL games dating back to last season. So I think uh, the fact that this is a team that not too long ago, one of the main storylines surrounding them was what was up with Tyler Bozak. And so people, I feel like people don't even really realize that Tyler Bozak's even on this team anymore. So I think it's there's a lot of positive stuff to talk about with the Toronto Maple Leafs, but it seems like the play of Randy Anderson and, and these late-blown leads have kind of been drawing a lot of the story, uh, attention as well. Yeah, which in some ways, in the big picture of your Leafs, might not be the end of the world because it is taking some of the spotlight off, off the young guys. I mean, you know, had they even won the, the game they just played against Tampa Bay on Tuesday night, maybe everyone's story and focus outwards would have been Matthews leading the league in goals and points. And let's face it, that, that in itself, I don't believe is sustainable uh, for him. But, you know, to me, what's interesting about the Leafs is for a 30th place team last year, they had pretty good underlying metrics, uh, you know, for, for where they finished in the league. They, they obviously had a very low shooting percentage that they couldn't score. They didn't have near the talent. And, you know, after injecting some of that talent, they've, they've kind of done a bit of the same thing. And, and, Without the goaltending uh, performance so far, they definitely would have won more games. I mean, they're not just hanging on. This is a long way from the Randy Carlisle era in terms of how the team plays as a team, and, and uh, certainly a long way from that era in, in that you know you had Phil Kessel back then. It was a pretty impressive singular talent, but now you've, you've got three forwards, in Nylander, Marner, and Matthews, who uh, look like they have tremendous potential. Uh, you know, to me, there's a lot to be excited about in Toronto. Um, but uh, in terms of how legitimate they are, this this season feels like it's going to be a roller coaster uh, for them, just because there, there's a big unknown with Freddie Anderson. Let's face it; I mean, uh, he, he had a you know a really strong career in Anaheim, but this is a totally different animal on a number of levels. He's the unquestioned number one entering this year. He's got a five-year contract, uh, you know, worth you know pretty good money. And he's got a lot of expectations that I don't think he's ever shouldered before. And on top of that, he is going to play in front of a team that still has uh, some issues on the blue line, is going to give up uh, some some tough chances. So, uh, you know, he's admitted that he's not comfortable yet here. And, and I think that, that that could be an interesting dynamic if the team continues to play, you know, well in front of him, controlling uh, the, the large portion of play, uh, but are losing games uh, because he can't make a save. I mean... Uh, look out. I, you, you can already see it, it growing on the horizon, and it is just still so early in the year. 
Right. I mean, with a lot of these sort of younger, uh, exciting teams, with a lot of forward talent, we, like, let's say like the Arizona Coyotes, for example, we, 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 you know, last year we were saying it's awesome that they have these guys that fans can be excited about now and can watch on a daily basis. And, you know, they're generating a lot of goals, but I think the franchise themselves is, is pretty content with kind of losing due to goaltending because it's going to help them in the long term in terms of getting higher picks and, and kind of cultivating more young talent. But for the Leafs, I mean, they did make that investment in Anderson. So it's pretty clear that, you know, this isn't one of those cases where they're like, we're perfectly cool with the goaltending kind of just submarining us and, and us just playing exciting games, but ultimately losing and being in the lottery again. Like, it's pretty clear that with how well some of these young guys are playing, they they should expect better of Anderson. And, and, and it'll be disappointing if this continues moving forward. Yeah, well, I mean, we're, we're a little ways off this, but it will become very troubling very soon if it continues because, uh, you know, let's face it, the Leafs are in sour cap jail of their own right now. It, they're not that far off having to pay these young guys that people are excited about and, and to be locked into a goalie that long. I mean, they, they felt they did a lot of due diligence on them. They felt very comfortable, obviously, in, in surrendering assets and then signing them to a five-year contract, giving them more security than, than most goalies get at, at any point in their careers and, and, and you know there's, there's, so there's, he's got to deliver on that I mean there's just no way around it and if it doesn't happen uh, this will be a big issue for the Leafs and there's already a lot of people tying it to some of the decisions of the past be it acquiring Jonathan Bernier or Vesa Toskla or even Andrew Raycroft I mean there's so many scarred minds around uh, the, the Leafs franchise in terms of fans that, that everyone's already bringing this up but uh, you know Frederick Anderson uh, can, can silence it I suppose if he starts to play better, but there's lots of, I mean, you miss a month uh, due to injury right before and, and into the start of training camp. I mean, that's tough in itself to come back from. And even some people wondering if, if maybe the Leafs are asking him to play in, in a style that he's not entirely comfortable with. Yeah. Um, before we move on the Leafs, there, there, move off the Leafs, there is one uh, thing that's kind of caught my attention. And listen, I know that Mike Babcock is considered one of the best coaches in the league, if not the best coach, and, and deservedly so. I mean, his track record is amazing. But all these guys, even like John Cooper, for example, and all these guys that we think are really good coaches have these blind spots that they just can't seem to get past. And, and one that I've noticed early this season with Babcock is this, this Roman Polak, Matt Hunwick pairing, which I, I don't know, you, you, you follow the team pretty closely and cover them. Is there any sort of logical explanation for why those two guys have, or have been on the ice at the same time, let alone in the lineup to begin with? No logic that I can see other than it, it's only happened kind of uh, when a team is, when nothing's going right. I mean, mm. when he just starts juggling things up. I mean, uh, they haven't started a game as a pairing. It's never been kind of a, a conscious decision made with a lot of thought. I mean, I guess I guess maybe he's putting thought into it when he switches to it during the game, but uh, it hasn't been very good. I mean, it is, uh, I mean, let's face it, the Leafs need a better blue line. I don't think that they have of the eight guys they have here now. I don't think there is a, a perfect six among them. But it's very strange to me that that Frank Corrado again hasn't got in after sitting, I believe, 39 of the first 43 games last year. Uh, the Leafs are reluctant to put him on waivers, you know, because they'll almost certainly lose him. But then they, they don't want to play him. I mean, it's kind of a, a weird dynamic around this blue line right now. But you know, Matt Hunwick. I guess the best way to understand it is that's that's a safety guy for Mike Babcock for whatever reason. Uh, you know, he feels that he knows him well. They, they they have sort of some personal connections from the past, and he just trusts him. Uh, Roman Polak sat a couple games to start the year, and, and he's only recently been put in the lineup and has appeared on that pairing. But if you look at the results, it hasn't been very good, and I'd be quite surprised 
uh, if, if it continues to be a pairing, you know, moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's been a, uh, it's been weird. Um, okay, moving on with the panic meter. Uh, two sleeper teams this off season, and I, I have to admit, I, I like both of them as well. Were the uh, the Winnipeg Jets and the Carolina Hurricanes, and so far they have. Three wins between them and the common denominator, as we just mentioned with uh, Freddie Anderson, the Leafs has been the save percentage. I mean, they're 30th and 28th in the league, respectively. And uh, it, it's been a combination of, uh, I don't know, it's, if it's the ghost of Andre Pavlik in Winnipeg or what. And then uh, the curious case of Cam Ward in, in, in Carolina. But uh, neither of these teams can seem to buy a save, which is really disappointing because they have so much uh, exciting forward talent and, and even on the blue line. Um, how are you worried about both these teams or is do you think there's kind of uh, some optimism for them? Yeah, my trembling right hand is hanging over the panic button as we speak hmm. in both cases, frankly, because I just don't see a lot of solutions for them. And, uh, you know, the, the, the Jets, you would think, would be in a better place after choosing to move on from Andre Pavlik or sending him to the AHL. I guess he could reappear at some point if the struggles, struggles continue for Michael Hutchinson and Connor Hellebuck. But, uh, you know, if that duo, and, and there's not a lot of track record to to suggest yet, I mean, there's hope that, that they can become something over time, but they may not be ready for this moment. And, and beyond that, you know, the Jets can really only turn back to Andre Pavlik, who's, uh, you know, those that have been watching that team uh, has, has had a lot of ups and downs in Winnipeg and, and uh, you know, really was, was trusted for a long, long, long time, despite some tough results. So, you know, I they're hoping, I guess, that that's the only. If you're looking for no panic, I guess you have to hope that that one of Hutchinson or Hellebuck will be able to seize control here and, and lock things down. But you know, it's it's been a tough start, and you know, they're. I just, I don't know. I just don't don't get a good feeling uh, that it, that it's going to come from from one of those players this season. So if if your hopes in Winnipeg are to make the playoffs. I'm not sure the organization is as set on that. Maybe as, as the fan base that, that maybe they don't mind another year of, of you know trying to add a good prospect to the mix. But mm-hmm. uh, that that's a very tough one. Uh, and let's face it, Cam Ward in Carolina. I know Dimitri, uh, you probably saw this coming. Hmm. Uh, I think I think I saw a tweet to that extent from you <laughs> recently here. And and um, again there, I mean Carolina kind of creeped it briefly in the playoff race last year. I think they have a team that could get it done. But man. Uh, it's it's not looking good uh, on the goaltending side. Well, the, the bizarre thing to me is, I mean, we know that with Eric Talski there and Ron Francis has done a great job. Like it's pre- pretty clearly a forward-thinking organization that has its head on straight. And then, I mean, you look at right now they're they're fourth in adjusted shot attempts, and then they're thirtieth in save percentage. And neither of those things are surprising based on what we saw last season, right? I mean. They have a lot of players that can play, and and for and Bill Peters has them has them clicking, but they just can't buy a save. And I mean, you look, you mentioned the tweet I had. Since 2012, four goalies have a sub nine nine ten save percentage that have been regulars, and they're Jonas Hiller, Ben Scrivens, Andre Pavlik, and Cam Ward, and only one of them's in the league. And that one guy got an extension this summer. And I don't know, like I know no team would ever really openly admit to this, but I mean, it does sort of feel like one of those things where they kind of are intentionally uh, maybe not winning as many games as they could. So they could get better prospects moving forward. Like that's the only possible explanation I have for why they paid on Cam Ward and then keep playing him. Well, and you know, obviously they, they feel comfortable with him as a person. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, they, it's the devil, you know, so to speak. And, right. and if you look back to last summer, uh, you know there really weren't a, a ton of other options. I mean, they could have tried to get on James Reimer, maybe, or, or 
you know, been one of the teams uh, to try to trade for Frederick Anderson as the Leafs did, although given what we've seen so far, maybe they were wise to, to not be in part of that bidding. But, um, you know, it just felt like a tough summer to get better at that position. And, you know, with the comfort level of Cam Ward, you know, that, that might have helped. But, man, it's uh, you, you would think the playoffs there are needed. It, it, they've had, you know, a lot of tough years in a row. It's, it's hurt their attendance. Um, <clears throat> the team is... is been up for sale at least half of it uh you know with the the owner trying to bring on uh, minority partners there so there's a lot of reasons to want to win and they look like they have a a team from the outside of the goalie capable of doing that so Mm -hmm. you know i i would think if this continues you'll you'll see them get in the market uh, for a goaltender because i I do think there's some pressure to 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 put some victories up but uh you know it probably is not going to happen at this point that they themselves haven't hit the panic button we're just doing it for them. Mm, yes, yeah, I, I'm definitely on board. I'm, I'm hitting the panic button there. Um, let's, <laughs> let's, let's let's move over. To you, you should have a siren the next time we do this. <laughs> well, I was ta- <laughs> a little I was, sound effect action. I was telling you earlier before we started recording. Uh, for those that have, I mean, I don't know if people have noticed, but there's been very few sirens around, and that's because uh, I've moved to an area that. Uh, there's there's fewer ambulances moving around, but there is a construction zone outside. So it's uh, you know, you win some and you lose some. That's life in a big city, man. I live downtown Toronto, and it's not quite outside my door very often. So yes, we're all good. Um, okay, one final thing, and it's uh, it's two, it's the California teams. Um, so the Ducks and the Kings, I think they have quite a few issues. Um, the Kings, obviously, with Jonathan Quick out, are playing Peter Budai, which is amazing to me. And they just signed, uh, or they brought in Anders Limbach on a PTO, and. You know, they're, they're trying to figure out what they're going to do there in net to, to try and buy some saves. And, and with the Ducks, I mean, it's been predictably, um, it's, it, it, it's been unfortunate because we saw how good they could be in the latter stages of last year. And they've kind of reverted back to their old ways and, and not having Hampus Lindholm there obviously hurts them a lot. But I think the common denominator with these two teams is I look at their rosters and I just wonder where the goals are going to come from. Because whether it's lacking the defenseman to move the puck or whether it's just general kind of team speed up front, I think they're going to really struggle, especially at 5-on-5, five five, to score enough goals to be as good as we think they can be. Yeah, I mean, the Kings are going to be fascinating because they're, they're kind of trying to do what Montreal wasn't able to last year in losing the guy that they rely on so much in net. And, and uh, I know that Carey Price is an even better goaltender than, than Jonathan Quick, but uh, I mean, they're really going to have to patch it together. I think with their cap situation, uh, unless they really uh, contemplate doing something big, and, and to this point, there's, there's not a lot of willingness from the Kings to do that. They're, they're, they're just going to try to scrape by with these guys and you know, they look to be uh, off to another great start as a possession team, but, uh, you know, this it's going to be tough. I, I think that, that they're in serious danger of, of being a team that's, that misses the playoffs again. Uh, you know, they kind of got into that where they locked up all the guys that, that helped win them the Cups to long-term deals, and, and they haven't really been able to, to bring a lot of new players into the fold as a result of that. It sort of, you know, felt like a bit of an inertia there, and, and um, you know, still very early, but you know, I, I do have some real concerns for where the Kings are at. Just with again the the ill-timed injury to their goaltending, and uh, now they're down to their three and four, and they're flying Anders Lind back in from Sweden to see if he's got anything left in him. And man, I mean, they, they even looked at trading for Andre Pavlik. So hmm. um, you know, there's a, there's a lot in the air there, and I just don't see they're kind of hamstrung by by what they've what they've done, you know, with, with the way their cap's been built and the way their team's been built. And, you know, it's sort of the ugly end. I, I feel like it, it's probably too soon that we're not going to see it in Chicago, but 
it's the ugly end of, of winning a few cups is that, uh, you know, in, in the calf world, you're locked into the, the players as they age. And, and uh, you know, I just don't see enough there uh, from L.A. To, to consider them a true contender again. And, you know, maybe I'll be proven wrong, but uh, I, I would have some panic there as well, I guess, uh, even at this early stage. Well, I'm glad you brought up the Blackhawks. I mean, I didn't even have them on this list, but that is sort of something that unites these teams. It's like this realization that when you win constantly in this league year over year, uh, generally speaking, a lot of these GMs kind of reward the players that did that for them, and, and you pay for past performance rather than future one, and that can always get you in trouble, as we're seeing with these teams now, where uh, you're, you're kind of hamstrung and, you're, and your hands are tied and you can't really bring in new talent. And I don't know, like, I mean, it's a great point with the Ducks where we're seeing them play out the first couple of weeks of the season without their best defenseman, and I'm a little reticent to talk about it just because, you know, there could be a solution to the whole situation by the time we post this podcast, but I mean, is there anything happening on the Hampus Lindholm front at this point? It feels like both sides are completely dug in, mm -hmm. and, you know, obviously it only takes one or the other to change its mind and to reverse course on that, because I think they're very clear on what kind of deal would get it done from, from either perspective. Um, but, you know, it's a strange one. I'm, I'm surprised it's got this far uh, in some ways. Even if you look back at their summer, the fact that they signed Sammy Votnin and that it was Hampus Lindholm sort of left the twist in the wind. Uh, I guess it's obviously because the Votnin deal was a little easier to get done. The, you know, he came in for, for less money than, than what Hampus Lindholm's ultimately going to get. But, um, you know, it's, it's a difficult situation. I, I think both with he and with Jacob Truba, uh, you know, who's, who's sitting out right now in Winnipeg without a contract. Uh, that December 1st deadline is really the next hard deadline. And, and unless either the teams panic and, and neither shown uh, that, that they're, they're really in close to doing that, it's probably going to go down to late November before that situation gets, gets solved. And, you know, at that point, who knows what version of Hampus Lindholm you're putting in your lineup. Uh, you know, obviously he's doing what he can to stay in shape, but, to join the NHL at that stage of the season, even as a young player, is going to be difficult. So, you know, it's it's uh, it's a tough situation in Anaheim as well. And uh, you know, they're they're on the second version of of Randy Carlisle. Obviously, a couple wins maybe is taking the heat off after that that road trip to start the year. But uh, you know, you, you got a feeling that all of a sudden, after California being a place no one wanted to play as a road team, uh, maybe the games are going to get a little easier when you got to got to travel west. Mm. Well, I, I will say. I you know, you mentioned that, and the Sharks are a team. I, I feel like I'm kind of kicking myself over not being higher on them in this in the, in the preseason because, I mean, obviously they brought back most of the team that made the the Stanley Cup final last year, and they'd be good once again. But I feel like people were just like overlooking them a little bit when discussing the best teams in the West. But I've been really impressed watching them play, and and the thing that I didn't factor in that I really should have spent more time thinking about was how big the difference going from Roman Polak as your fifth or sixth defenseman to David Schlemko would be because, I mean, he's been fantastic so far and, and he's basically the antithesis of, of Polak in terms of being able to move the puck and, and sort of fitting in with the rest of that blue line and what they're trying to do. And I mean, we, we discussed with the Rangers how they can roll four lines and, and without much of a drop-off. I mean, the Sharks right now are rolling a fourth line of Matt Nieto, Tommy Wingles, and Melker Carlson, who are three players that you know could play on pretty much any team's third line and fit in perfectly. So the Sharks are loaded once again, and, and you know the, the Ducks and Kings, I think there's a lot of reasons to be concerned, but it's amazing that the Sharks, who have done their fair share of winning in the years past, have managed to kind of keep the cycle going and keep bringing in young, fresh talent to, to sort of go with the Joe, Joe Pavelskis and Joe Thorns of the world. 
Yeah, and as long as Joe Thornton can keep, as long as there's not a drop off there, I mean they're in great shape because uh, you know he's he's amazing and so much focus on the youth and speed and everything and just the guy can just flat out still play late into his 30s and uh, you know it's funny though I was thinking last year if we did this podcast this stage of the season the Sharks were not getting any love anywhere most people thought they're kind of best before they did pass so you know maybe maybe the Anaheim's or Chicago's or LA's will be able. Uh, to make some moves, to bring in some players that, that are, aren't even on the radar so much yet, to try to refresh where they're at. It, it, you know, it's not a not a final answer on on the status of them as organizations. But you know, I just feel that we've gotten to the point where you don't automatically pen them in at the top of the Western Conference. That that you know, really they they've got to go out and, and earn it in a different way now in terms of even just getting the love from from people like us. So you're right, the Sharks the Sharks look great. Um, you know, I, I see them. Have every wouldn't be the least bit surprised to see them playing again uh, next June, but you know there's a lot of runway to to, to traverse before we get there. There absolutely is, uh, CJ. Man, thanks for uh, taking the time out of your busy schedule to come and chat. I'm, I, it's a shame that it's been so long since we've been able to do this, but I'm glad that we eventually got around to it. Yeah, I'm glad that we got hockey every night, man. It's yes. been so awesome these last couple of weeks. Uh, you forget that you enjoy the summer, but man, I was missing it. So yeah. I'm sure I'll be on again soon because there's always lots to talk about. Absolutely. Uh, I look forward to it. And uh, everyone can follow you on Twitter at, at reporter Chris, but based on your follower account, I'm pretty sure every single person listening to this podcast already is doing that. So I'm not worried about it. Okay. Well, thank you, bud. <laughs> Have a good one. Bye now. Before we put a bow on another edition of the hockey PDO cast, let's give some love to the sponsor of the show, FreshBooks. FreshBooks is an online accounting service designed to save you time and help you keep all your checks and balances in order. With their new user-friendly software, accomplishing that goal is now easier than ever. You can use their service to create professional-looking invoices in a matter of moments, track business expenses so you know how much you've been spending, and actually accept credit card payments from your clients so you don't have to waste time waiting in line at the bank. The best part of it all is that they've got a mobile app you can get on your phone to do all these things from wherever you happen to be at that particular moment. Wait, I lied. That's not the best part. The best part is that FreshBooks is now offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to all of my listeners. To claim it, go to freshbooks.com slash pdocast and enter hockey pdocast in the how you heard about us section. That's freshbooks.com slash pdocast. The Hockey PDOcast with Dmitry Filipovich. Follow on Twitter at Dim Filipovich and on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash hockey pdocast. Mm-hmm.